Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. On this week's episode, we look at yet another three near misses with Benetton, Zebre and the Azzurre. Just remember, guys, we've got to be positive on this episode. Fuck that, it was a disaster. <laughs> Unmitigated disaster. Wait, which disaster are you talking about? Well, I mean, there's only one disaster. Yeah, there's Zebra only one came real back disaster. and did quite well. The Italian women looked pretty decent. And then the disaster was six minutes of absolute kamikaze hell rugby from Benetton. I called it as we watched it. I was like, the first try that the Lions scored to kind of crawl their way back in, in those six minutes of hell, I was like, that's terrible, terrible missed tackles. And you were like, shush, it's fine, it's fine. And then the second try went in again from terrible, terrible, terrible missed tackles. And then the third try happened. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I can't believe it. I, I yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, I had the same feeling. We're in 55th minute. I was like, we're gonna we're gonna throw this away, aren't we? We just don't care. What was it? I think it was the fifty fourth minute that we were leading. So, yeah. for those listeners that haven't seen the games, my mum, <laughs> Bennett and Treviso were up. Oh, Bennett and Treviso. What am I from the nineties? <laughs> Bennett and Rugby from Treviso were up twenty eight fourteen. After 62 minutes, they had secured their four-try bonus point and they'd scored some excellent tries with Riera showing his sevens class, stepping in, scoring a try. Jacob Umanga finally playing the running flash rugby that he used to do at Wasps, playing with a smile on his face, brilliant off the kicking tee. Excellent rugby. Stowers scoring his first try for Benetton from a mall. Beautiful, no, from a line-out. Well, it wasn't really a mall, it was a line-out because he sort of, they sort of did a very clever little thing and just sort of flipped it inside and he just sort of... Mm. It was very clever. Poked on through. All things were going well, but then <laughs> sun disappeared behind a cloud. The heavens opened and the rain came pouring down. And all of a sudden, it was six minutes of disaster time. They're going down the side. Jacob Umanga bites in and misses his tackle. Drago also misses his tackle. Alessandro Garbisi can't bring him down. So over they go in the corner. Alarm bells are starting to ring, but we still have hope. Next up, they're in their own 22. The Lions are coming out of their own 22 when Drago does one of the worst attempts for a tackle anyone has ever seen from a potential international centre. He gets bounced, shamefully, shamefully bounced. Marcus Watson has to come off his wing to cover the tackle that Drago's just fucked up, but that leaves a massive space down the wing. All the covering tackles coming in are complete and utter shit. Not a single one lands. Umanga 
doesn't even slow the guy down with his terrible, terrible, terrible attempt for a tackle. It ends up at Duray. Garbisi's missed his tackle. Baby Garbisi. Duray's at the back. Suddenly he's got three men on him on his own. What does he do? He does nothing. He panics. He lets them run past him. He then turns around. He chases one down like a gazelle and jumps on its back. But the ball has been passed and it's too late. Favretto is there, but Favretto just falls over. And I've watched it on repeat over and over again. And Favretto literally just falls over. He's just running behind them. And then at the last minute, he just falls over. So now that's two tries conceded in two minutes. But that's okay. Benetton are still in the lead. They can't completely cock this up. The rain is still falling. The sky is still grey. And then all of a sudden, the third try. Seemingly, nothing's going on. Benetton in their own half. The Lions with the ball. It's between the 22 and the 10 metre line. This is safe territory. But then all of a sudden, Tommaso Gaggio goes for a walk. He leaves the side of his ruck and his partner, Nicola Canone, <laughs> and he just fucks off for nothing, leaving a massive space for this South African just to peel on through. He goes through the space. Big Canone dives, but it's too late. He can't take him down. All of a sudden, everyone is panicking and they run on in. Umanga makes a tackle, but it's too late. And of course, as usual for this game, just behind them is Favretto at a jog, <laughs> not tackling anyone. Favretto actually was down statistically as one of the best defensive performers at this game because he didn't miss a tackle. But you can only miss a tackle if you try to make a tackle. And I think that's very clever. First of all, I think I'm going to try and edit a round of applause into that dramatic reading of the game um, because that was very, very well read. <laughs> Secondly, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's trying to manipulate the stats in his favour. That's actually really clever. If you're if you know that it doesn't count if you don't attempt the tackle, then all of his tackles are made tackles if you only make the tackles that you can be bothered to make. I think something we should definitely say in your wonderful reading is that all of the players... It wasn't a reading, that, that was from memory. No, yes, I, sorry, in your descriptive um, reconstruction of the game for the, the listeners who didn't watch it or who have forgotten about those six minutes of hell, um, all of the players that you mentioned are quality, quality players. You would think. Well, normally they are. They're all like, well, most of the internationals that you, the Italians that you mentioned are pretty much on the verge of international level if they're not already at international level. So yes. I don't know what happened. It was like they, they were cursed. It was like the rain put a curse on them. It, it did happen as the weather changed. It was just absolute complacency. They thought they'd had this sign, sealed, delivered it's done. And yeah, you could say that they worked hard for the first 63 minutes. You could say that Drago would be tired. I'm sorry, that attempt to a tackle was appalling. And if he ever wants to wear the blue shirt of the Azuri properly, that cannot happen. You can't see Menoncello missing that tackle. You can't see Marisi missing that tackle. You can't see... Um... Brex missing that tackle. Yeah, but can you imagine? You can't, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You, you, you could even see like 
Lukin at Zebre w- wouldn't miss that tackle. You know, it's just, it was awful. Well, what I was really, I mean, I said at the time, if I were one of the starting 15 who'd been subbed off just before the 60th minute or around the 60th minute, I would be furious. And I know that it's a team sport, et cetera, et cetera, but you've busted your ass for 60 odd minutes. The new kids come on and they do what? I mean, that lead was very healthy. And to throw that away in the space of six minutes and then lose the game, because then you're like, okay, guys, you can crawl, crawl this back. What, you're four points behind? You've just got to score another try or get a penalty and then get, get a couple of penalties. Like, do anything to try and claw it back. You've still got 10 minutes or so. They threw the ball around like silly buggers towards the end. It was an absolute shambles. And then chipped and kicked whenever, like, chipped it away whenever they had it in their possession. It was sloppy, inaccurate, badly thought through. And all in all, I was very upset and a bit ashamed. But the difference between this and the other games, which we're going to talk about, is that this was won. It was in the bag. They had it. All they had to do was to remember to take the bag off the pitch with them. And they didn't. Yeah. And if you watch that brilliant bit of camera work um, with, what's his name, the name of the cameraman? Mm, I need to look it up. But we'll it put was... the link on our socials so you, oh, yes. you, you see it brilliant bit of camera work but if you watch that watch it over and over and over again and just pick out a different Benetton player every time and ask yourself what the hell is that person doing it's it's like a comedy sketch yeah his name's Andrea Schalpi and he uh should be signed as a wing for Benetton because uh, yeah <laughs> to keep up with with that um those incredible. players incredible camera work and actually if you go on his Instagram channel there's a montage that he made, um, which is actually more fun because it's full of Monteoni doing brilliant things and Benetton scoring tries and with some cool music in the background. It's very, very impressive. Yeah, we shared but, that as well on our socials. We've Look at us supporting cameramen and, and great people. But yeah, that was an absolute disaster. And it came from Drago's missed tackle. And then, I don't know, I think Watson probably did the right thing in in having to cut in, he had to cut in to make the tackle, but then that just left so much space on that wing. And then all the covering tackles were like watching toddlers trying to tackle a fully grown man. Yeah, the the amount of missed tackles made me physically sick. I couldn't watch it, it was infuriating. And the fact that as a result of that, that was three tries that they scored in the space of no time. I, I was so angry. It was like watching someone learning a video game for the first time. You know, when you when you get a new video game and you, you can't be asked to do the tutorial. So you're like, nah, fuck it, I'll just play it. And then you don't know what you're doing. And so bodies are just flying left, right and center because you haven't learned the controls. That's yeah. what it was. It was like someone didn't know the controls. And that this guy just charges down the pitch through all of them. And it's so frustrating because they had a great first half. I mean, up until 60 minutes, they had a great nearly, yeah, they had a great 75% of the game. There was so much to be said for how yeah. well they were playing. Yeah. And, you know, the team they picked, they had a couple of knackered players, but they didn't really let anyone down. You know, a bunch of people sitting around who haven't been doing much for the last few weeks, and they kind of did. However, it was brilliant to see, as I said, Jacob Manga playing heads up, running rugby. Yeah. And that's what everyone really wanted to see from him when he signed 
and to see him linking up with Marcus Watson. Minotzi made a couple of schoolboy errors, really, I think, at the back. But apart from that, I thought he ran well. He did well. It's I just said a I wrote, he had a great first half and then a disaster for a second half. Just a couple of decisions he made that were wrong. Watching a ball go over the, his own line and not really knowing what to do with it. Then like dotting a ball down, taking it over. It was all, that was all a bit scrappy, but his running game was good. And it was like wasps on Le Continent watching those three go. And next year it will be even more because it will be Fekatoa as well. So it will be like four wasps charging around the pitch, which I quite like because they're my favourite, were my favourite club in England. Who's your favourite club in England now? Um, <laughs> I don't want to say London Irish because I don't like Paddy Jackson. And I don't want to say Harlequins because their supporters annoy me. Red Tigers? No. True. Not the Man United. <laughs> Gloucester? Absolutely no. not no, Saracens. not Gloucester. Gloucester. The Gloucester fans are the worst fans yeah. in the world. Yeah. Saracens? Um, they've got no love for Northampton. Um, mm. Exeter? Do you know what? I know very little about Exeter. I feel like they... The fact that we have no visceral reaction to Exeter, maybe Exeter should be. Well, let's just be honest. Who doesn't like Exeter? True. Who doesn't like F everyone? Kind of loves, and 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 they've got a real sort of like rags to riches story. So, yeah, but I don't support Exeter. No, we support we support Benetton. <laughs> yes, of course. But when I was young, I used to really like wasps. I like tigers because I like Martin Johnson. Right. On that <laughs> note. Um... <laughs> So yes, they had um, what was a brilliant 60 minutes all destroyed in the space of six minutes. Um, and now they've got basically, I guess, a very, very, very slim chance of making the playoffs because they're heading to South Africa. But they do have some chance. And I actually think having some chance makes this even more annoying than if they now had no chance. Yeah, agreed. Because they did take two points from this game, but if they had won it and taken five points, their trip to South Africa takes on an entirely different, you know, complexion, and it would have been incredibly exciting. Now I kind of see the trip to South Africa almost as uh, an annoyance because they need to focus on the Challenge Cup. Yeah, well, they're not going to qualify for the Champions Cup next year through the URC because the Welsh clubs are so terrible that. Because for anyone that doesn't know, the way you qualify for the Champions Cup this year from the United Rugby Championship is it's got four pools, the Welsh pool, the Irish pool, the South African pool and the Italian Scottish pool. The top team from each one of those pools gets automatic qualifications into the Champions Cup, regardless of where they finish in the league in general. After that, the top eight teams, not including those teams, get put through. However, this year, because Cardiff are probably going to finish outside of the top eight, they're going to finish in the bottom half of the league, but still be the best Welsh team. That means instead of the top eight qualifying for the Champions Cup, only the top seven uh... will qualify for the Champions So it's going to be like, the top seven qualify and Cardiff, who came ninth or tenth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. And so coming eighth would get Benetton a playoff, 
but it wouldn't get them a position in the Champions Cup. Mm -hmm. So all eyes on this weekend, because essentially, uh, obviously they're going to beat Connacht. Um, I'm furious at them and they need to sort themselves out ahead of this weekend um, to come back from the disaster of last week. But they're at home and it's a different tournament. So I think mentally you can go into it slightly differently. Um, But, and I'm 99.9% of me thinks that they will win this game. But if they don't, then their mentality switches straight all back to the URC. So actually this game will decide a lot of Ortolami's um, thought process ahead of going out to South Africa. But you would think that the game against Connacht, that's going to be an absolutely fully loaded Benetton team. That's going to be the absolute best team that can take the pitch. That's who they're going to put out there. They need to win against Connacht. They win against Connacht, then they get through to the quarterfinals, which again, obviously none of these games are, you know, there are no easy games, but all the games that Benetton have in the Challenge Cup are potentially winnable. Because they came second in their pool, they're guaranteed to play at home for all of their games leading up to the final unless they meet Toulon because Toulon is the only team on their side of the knockouts that came above them in the table. So Toulon came top of their group. Benetton came second in their group. So they play Connacht in Treviso. They then play either Cardiff or Sale in Treviso. Then they might have to play Toulon away. But hopefully not, because I think either Stade Francais or Lyon have a good chance of beating Toulon and stopping that happening. And if they do beat Toulon, they'll be playing either Stade Francais, Lyon, or potentially Cheetahs in Treviso. And after that, you're in the final. That's a pretty exciting path and something they really need to be focusing on, I think. Personally, more than the URC. Yeah, no, I agree at this stage, absolutely. I mean, if they, yeah, the fact that they still have a chance of qualifying in the URC and the, for the playoffs is annoying because they should really at this stage just put all their energy on the Challenge Cup. Um, well, it's only annoying because they could have really, they, the, now they've basically got to go to South Africa and win both games. Whereas before, you know, if they won at the weekend, they could go to South Africa and win one game and that probably would have been enough. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll cross that bridge once we come to it after this weekend's bridge because, um, yeah, I think you're right. They are going to have to, well, Bortolami's going to pick the best team he can, I expect, for this weekend. And if he doesn't, what's he doing? Yeah, um, well, you, so you'd expect to see Lamaro back. You'd expect to see Brex back. You'd expect to see Menoncello back, Sebastian Negri back. Baby Canone didn't play last week, did he? Big one did. Well, I don't think Baby did. I don't think, uh, I can't remember if Baby Canone played. Rutza. Rutza played. Yeah. I was surprised he could have done with the rest. Yes, he could have done with the rest. And I was a bit surprised by that actually myself, because when's he going to get that rest? He yeah. wouldn't rest Rutzer or Big Canone in a must-win match. I expect them both to be playing this weekend as well. If Benetton don't beat Connacht, we won't be doing this podcast next week. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll upload some elevator music. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? I mean, I know that we've only been doing a few. We're, what, four episodes in or whatever. But it is getting boring having to always talk about us losing or nearly losing. Well, losing but near misses, um, which is, in fact, 
we may as well at this point quickly touch on the other near loss loss I keep saying near loss it wasn't a near loss it was a near win um that was just a depressing loss uh which was Zebre's game Yes, Zebre did lose to Cardiff. It was probably their last chance to get a win this season, but they did get two losing bonus points. They took a four-try bonus point and they came within seven. And unlike Benetton's game, Zebre were behind by quite a lot and yeah. then did, as they are, the poor man's Harlequins. They came back, but yeah. just not quite enough. Yeah, I think they were 18.35 down and managed to claw it back to 30.35. And they started strong. They they scored a try in the first two minutes and sort of their mall defence was a disaster. Mall defence is such an incredible disaster for Zebre. I don't even know where to start with it. The commentators said before this game that the last three hookers to go to Palmer have all had hat tricks <laughs> because all you have to do is kick it into touch and you're guaranteed a try apparently in Palmer this game they didn't they got only two more tries from this game but then also one which came from a line out which then they went over in the tight um, and obviously unlucky for Zebre they were beaten by the bounce of a rugby ball and with a score this tight that bounce of a rugby ball actually beat them Made them lose the game. It was mm. a, a bounce similar to the bounce in the Italy-Wales yeah, game. Yeah, it was. But uh, Prescontelli was excellent at 10. Creel at fullback um, was having a hell of a game. Um, some really brilliant tries. Trula did a wonderful little step and then some weird thing where he pretended to inject in his arm and it was meant to be like ice in your veins and I was like, that's a bit weird, Trula. But, you know, whatever <laughs> makes him happy. But that was brilliant linked up play. Um, to get there. I think it was Lukin um, Priscantelli and then... Priscantelli, sorry, as like the uh, um, Italian No, well, he's control. Argentinian. Yeah, but it's still Priscantelli. Is that what they say in Buenos Aires? I mean, I would, I, I'm happy to speak to an Argentinian about this, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Priscantelli. So if you see a, an S-C-I, like an S-C, it's a sh. But I mean, in Italian, that's how you'd say it. And Argentinian, Spanish and Italian are basically the same language. Interesting. Coach, do you, do you have the answer? My opinion is whatever the Italian says. Great. Prisciantelli. Non, non concordo con il allenatore. Allenatore. Sì. Okay. Okay. Vabbè. For those, for those that don't know, he says, I don't agree with coach. Well, I'm glad. I, I bet you anything. He spent time in his classes learning that, just so you could say that to me. So Eddie just recently finished level six of Italian, was it? And um, I I went along to his post um, graduating from level six drinks and all the other students were there and I was chatting away to them and the teacher and they were like, oh, Eddie's the class clown. Of course he was. I'm paying good money for these lessons. I feel like I have a child who's just <laughs> pissing around. And moving on. The Women's Six Nations, the Italy-France game. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, well, that was really good. I must admit, you you weren't expecting wow. to think it was good. <laughs> no, Coach, just... was it your first game of um, women's rugby that you've ever watched? This is probably the second. Okay, we watched we watched an England Wales game. I think at Twickenham. Yeah, Cause... and then we went. We remember we climbed over the wall and then ended up in the in the actual yeah. sort of clubhouse. Well, we didn't 
yeah, let's not talk about breaking and entering on a podcast. <laughs> but uh, they were just but comfier yeah, we looking seats. We just moved the into the comfier place. looking seats, and then it, we could then just walk up. The we just wanted we to see the women's game. You wanted to watch the the women's game from from comfy seats. Um, Absolutely. Um, so yes, I thought that they played very well. Um, France hadn't won in Italy since 2017, which is a start I did not know. Um, to be fair, 2017 in women's rugby is like another. Sure. Evening. I would like to give a shout out to Sophia Stefan. Oh yeah. She was very, very, very good. And you know, I'm not just saying this because you know there's a scrum half on the podcast, but she was extremely good. I could see her actually playing in the men's game. Wow. Coach is never this complimentary. But that inside pass that she gave was just. It was a great it's, pass. It's everything we kind of want to see in the men's game. It's just someone running off inside shoulder. No one really does that anymore. So basically, Coach, what you're saying is because you were so disappointed by the uh, scrum half, the male scrum halves of Italy, you would pick her to start over the Varney, Fusco, Garbizis <laughs> <laughs> of the men's game. Yeah, I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I genuinely do. I thought she was very good. And I thought. Yeah, there were some standout players. I thought Jada Franco, who was out with an injury for a really long time, came back and was just a powerhouse, scored that first try, that turnover in the 65th minute after they were just being hammered, like they had to defend and defend and defend. And then she got this turnover in the pouring rain, you know, Burnerton messed up in the pouring rain and um, they held up pretty, pretty well. It was, you know, they had to defend solidly in the end. And unfortunately, France did get that final try, um, so they crept away in the 73rd minute or whatever it was. But there was a yeah, lot of positives. They didn't yeah. give up. They tried all the way to the very end, and that was so lacking in the Benetton game, just that drive. They stopped France from getting a four-try bonus point, mm-hmm. and they very almost got a losing bonus point, and in a little bit further, they, they almost won. The scores between France and Italy haven't been overly in Italy's favour recently. They got beaten pretty heavily in last Six Nations. They got beaten pretty heavily in the World Cup. They did beat them last summer. Yeah, I think that was just a sort of friend, like a test match. I don't really know what that was. A World Cup warm-up match, I imagine. You know, but France were a really, really good side. You know, they've just said that the France-England game at Twickenham's already broken the world record for tickets sold for a a women's rugby match. It's already sold more tickets than the Women's World Cup final in New Zealand. No way, that's great. Who won it last year? The Women's World Cup. Six Nations. I think the Red Roses basically own it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they beat Scotland pretty badly yeah. that weekend. And that's who Italy are playing next. They're playing the Red Roses in England. From what we saw, I don't think it's going to be a case of women against girls. Obviously, the Red Roses are massive favourites, but I think this Italy side can put on a show. They looked really tidy. And actually, I'd love to talk to someone who knows a little bit more about it because this year, They've got 22 of the Azure are under federal contract. So they're basically professional, it's my understanding. And then they have another couple who play in the premiership. So they're basically professional, or they are professional. So, And a couple tw- in France? I don't know. So there's about 24, 25 professional rugby players in this Italian squad. You can really tell that actually by the handling and how good they looked. I mean, they did look really good. But I'd like to know how that works in a squad when you have a squad of some professionals yeah. and some not professionals 
and how that all works. Yeah, so let's make a note of knows, that. Please Let's... get in touch. I would love to know more about that. We'd love to have you on to teach us things. Um, yeah, that would be really interesting. Maybe one of my Italian rugby Freemason fans knows. No, they're not fans of Freemasons. <laughs> they oh, are God. Freemasons. <laughs> they're a secret Italian rugby fan organization. And I'm about to learn the handshake. Um, I'm not sure that you should describe them as secret. This all makes it sound, I mean, is it secret? I guess it's Rich and Coach and I on in it, so it's pretty secret, but. Um... It's very selective. If not secret, very selective. <laughs> Said like a true Freemason. He tells us nothing. Nope. He's got his blood ritual next week. <laughs> the Zebra fans are doing some blood rituals, hoping to get some good signings in the summer. They need all the good signings they can get they're going to sacrifice a pig and they're going to hang it up at the stadio lamfranchi and they're going to call it parma ham thanks for that eddie <laughs> we look forward to seeing that pig hanging well yes i think uh for the most part they played really well i mean a couple of bits uh the line outs again what is it with both italian men and women their line outs need to be better and their restarts from the 22 are also like left a lot to be desired but um apart from that they they did pretty pretty well um i loved did you enjoy i feel like coach would have enjoyed mutzo's break the one when she kind of ran inside and did like multiple somersaults through like various tackles love it but are you allowed drive, to do that? such passion yeah, yeah are you, you allowed work. yeah you can <laughs> you can't jump into a tackle which has always been my problem with Wingers scoring in the corner. This the whole trend at the moment. Wingers joint jumping into the corner for the try. I don't know if that's technically allowed. I don't think you can jump into a tackle. But I think you can jump in for a try. I think that's the way they get around it. So you're not allowed to jump oh. over a tackle, but you're allowed to jump in for if, a try. But if someone's in the way, that's a ta- and he's going to put a hit on. Technically, he's jumping into that tackle. Yeah, you, but... you can see a lot of it nowadays when they jump. They are literally jumping out of a tackle. Yeah, but yeah trying to score at the same time but that's but how you argue it right dive. it's if a weird gray area if you're defending it, it you say he's he's jumping into a tackle that's not allowed if you're attacking you're saying i'm jumping in for a try i remember once a long time i think when johnny may did one and he basically supermaned into the try line whilst getting tackled and i was just i don't know i was a bit unsure whether you can technically do that because if you did that anywhere else on the pitch and you just decided to jump five meters that would be one extremely strange but two, it, I don't think that's legal. Don't no, it's not anywhere else. But you're allowed to do it. Forward. You're allowed to do it when scoring a try. Um, so that's how they get around it. Somersaulting, however, we, we the fans, have agreed that that is allowed. Fine. Fine. Is there any other news that we need to touch on ahead of, obviously, this weekend and the big Connacht game, um, which we will, of course, be commenting on, hopefully, as our first positive win for this podcast? Um, the signing. There was a signing announced today. Yes, I, I'm, I'm. I don't want to say his name now. I know. I, I left it for you. Go on, give it a go. I, I don't even have it in front of me. I'm just going from memory. Okay, give it a go from memory, and then I'll see if Coach can read it out. Zulaki. What's his first name? Mario. <laughs> That's not his name. Okay, let me try and read it. Oh gosh, um, Giuseppe Zach. <laughs> it doesn't even remotely say Giuseppe. We're going to get cancelled. I'm going to get kicked out of the Freemasons. Because <laughs> yeah, we can't. I don't realise who my audience is. Sorry, I would, I would take, treat it with a bit more respect. So I'll put some respect on that name. Yes, please. Geos. Geosu. 
Zilocci. That's not bad. Um, another lesson for both of you. If you see CH in Italian, it's a K. Zilocchi. Bravo. So it's Josue Zilocchi. Anyway, news on him, Eddie. Fill us in. Well, he was at Zebra. Then he went to London Irish. Uh, he is a, an Italian international prop, but he's been injured for the last year and hasn't really played any rugby. And now he's off to Benetton, where he's going to be playing there as a tight head prop. Benetton could probably do with another really decent tight head prop. And they've got one. I don't know why. Well, maybe he was at Zebra before. He doesn't want to go back to Zebra. Maybe Zebra will get someone else. But I do feel like the Federation need to actually put some really decent players into Zebra and not just put everyone in. Benetton. Yeah, but the problem is if you're really decent, no disrespect, but if you are really decent, do you want to go and play at Zebra? Like genuinely, I understand people like Paledri who are coming back from injury and just need game time. But, you know, look at most of the Italian players. I mean, they're going to choose Benetton every day. I also don't know, but I would imagine they really put their hands in their pockets to get Pe Pelledri. Yeah, well... Zebra don't need loads of players. They just need a few really quality players. And actually now, because they've got this, you can only have seven players in a matchday squad that aren't Italian qualified. It should be easier for them. They just need some really decent players. Anyone that could defend a line-out would be really <laughs> useful. At... <laughs> Zebra. Yeah, I, we've often discussed how do you fix a problem like Zebra, and I, my gut is change the coach because it's just I think it's a mentality thing because they don't suck. They're not bad players, and when they get They've going, some of the attack. Their coach. I wouldn't change their coach. I would just give them some players or hire a new coach who's really good at defending lineout more. That's their that's their Achilles heel. If they could do that properly, they would have won four games this season. Would be my guesstimate. At least, that is what kills them. If they could defend a, a mall, they would have beaten Cardiff, hands down, because you take away two tries from Cardiff for that. Anyway, so Josue Dilocchi is going to Benetton, and that will be exciting. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't think he'll be picked for the World Cup because um, he's been injured for so long, but even if he weren't, I think we're probably okay for props, probably. Um, so maybe he'll be there to kind of fill the the gaps when they're away at the World Cup? Well, I don't know. You've got Riccione and Ferrari. After that, I mean, Pasquale's not exactly been... Zani. Oh, um, what's his name uh, in France? Oh, Cicerelli. See. Si. Yeah. So that, that's probably your that's probably the, your three first choice tight heads. Yeah. There. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, well, we know uh, for anyone who, who didn't catch up, I watched the post- Six Nations press conference with um, Kieran Crowley showing up about 30 minutes into it, looking very flustered and very annoyed. But he has said that no new players who can qualify for Italy will be picked for the World Cup. Um, he was very firm about it. He said, if uh, I made it very clear, this is going to be an Australian accent or a New Zealand accent, because I don't really know the difference. But he said, I made it very clear at the start of the Six Nations that any player who could qualify for Italy that hadn't played, showed their hand, was not going to get picked for the World Cup. So there will be no new players. However, he has in fact confirmed that, of course, Monty will be back. Monty was playing really well down in Melbourne. A couple of brilliant assists uh, last week. And of course, <laughs> Fiverr. Fiverr's finally got some game time after the absolute nightmare of a year that he's had after Worcester went under. And 
He scored for the Hurricanes on debut. Yeah, his little face. He was so happy. It's great to see ex-Venerton players doing well elsewhere. And, you know, I, I, I expect that he'll get a possible call up for the World Cup. He should. Um, if, if he gets game time, absolutely, I think. Yeah. Some people might think that's a bit contentious since he's, you know, back in New Zealand. But I think, you know, if you have them, you'd go for me, Lucchese, Nicotera, Fiverr. That would be your first choice three. Then you'd probably have Manfredi. Agreed, yeah. There's a bigger mission there for anyone that can figure out who it is. But um, sorry, he doesn't get <laughs> Great, guys, I think we should wrap it up. Um, we've gone through those games. We've gone through the rugby news. Um, there's no real... I mean, there's been some big Italian news that has nothing to do with rugby this week. Coach, did you hear that an American uh, headmaster was sacked for showing their students a picture of Michelangelo's David because it's pornographic? Yeah. What a mad world. Soon, I mean, I don't, I don't know where the world's going. Mute him. Mute him before he says something. <laughs> okay, guys, look, let's wrap it up. Uh, I've got to go walk the dog. Coach, has that enough? Well, that's it from us. We look forward to the Benton team release soon and for that definite win against Connacht this weekend as all roads lead to Rome slash Dublin. Ciao. Ciao a tutti. Arrivederci. Ciao.